Welcome to The New Thing, the monthly podcast from Humanity and Hope United, where we tell stories brought to life by your generosity. At Humanity and Hope, we're a community of warriors sent here to unleash our goodness on this earth by doing tangible things like feeding the hungry, helping kids go to school, and helping everyone find dignified housing and health care. We believe that the story of this world is one of hope, and that hope has a face, and that face is your face. Enjoy our stories from this past month, and better yet, become part of one next month. Welcome, 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 Humanity and Hope United family. My name is Riley Fuller. I'm the founder and one of the leaders of Humanity and Hope United, and this is the New Thing Podcast, where we tell stories of goodness brought to life by your generosity. This is an interesting one. So I've actually recorded this podcast a couple times already, actually, and uh, worked with the producer, Corey, and we decided that for whatever reason, the first couple takes were not going to be the right ones. And so here's another shot. And I believe that, uh, that this story is important. This is a story of what happened in February with Humanity and Hope United in Honduras. And we pick a story or two to try to highlight the effort that the entire family, that the entire team is a part of. And since I'm the storyteller, uh, naturally we'll probably get more of my story than other people's story. But let me dive right in to the February edition of the new thing, what happened in February in Honduras. So stick with me because I'm going to tell my story and then I'm going to get to, uh, to the meta story, to the story that the entire family of humanity and Hope United is a part of and the story that honestly we hope and I hope that you're a part of too. So stick with me. Here's how the story starts. I came to life as a person in February of 2018. I've been following God for a while, for almost four years at that point, but I decided that I wanted to come alive. I decided that even though I didn't understand this mystery of baptism, that I wanted it. And so I got baptized by a really good friend of mine, Chad Brugman, with some other really good friends of mine on February 27th of 2018. Well, that same day, I was hit with an intense pain. I, I got a headache that didn't go away for a year and a half. And I've been in a lot of pain since then. So February 27th, which was a Saturday uh, a couple weeks ago, I'd been looking forward to this day, honestly, for a very long time. I believed it was really, really special and important to me. And I didn't know what to expect, but just through my faith, I expected really, really beautiful and amazing things to happen on the three-year anniversary of my baptism of coming back to life. It got off to a really, really difficult start. The day before the anniversary, Friday, I woke up and my foot hurt really, really bad to the point where I could hardly walk. Woke up at 5 a.m. to try to get my peaceful time in the morning. By 7 a.m., it was swollen up like a balloon. And by 9 a.m., by the time that we arrived to La Corosa, I couldn't walk. And it was the strangest thing. I couldn't remember hitting it. I couldn't remember getting bit there. I couldn't remember having an open wound where an infection could have gotten in. All of a sudden, I just couldn't walk. And I'd really been looking forward to the next day, to Saturday, to the anniversary of my baptism, and also to that day on Friday. I have so many friends in La Carosa that I haven't gotten to speak with very much in person since the hurricane. And I also had some good friends visiting, especially Ben, Beth, Michael, and Jeff, who don't get to spend a lot of time in Honduras. You know, for several of them, it was their first time. And so I was so looking forward to taking them around the community and to getting to introduce them to all these people who've brought so much light and life and goodness into my own life. Well, I woke up 
and I couldn't walk. So really quickly, it put my mind in a tough spot. You know, I had all these plans of being a part of goodness, leading other people to goodness, encouraging people in their goodness, investing in more goodness. I had all these great plans and I woke up and I couldn't walk. So instead of building a temporary house for some people who really, really needed it that day, like the rest of the group, instead of walking around with business owners to their businesses and sharing in the pride of a really well done, successful craft, instead of walking around and hearing people's stories, I sat in a hammock all day in the bakery. And as I was sitting there, it just felt like everything was out of my control. And it felt like I couldn't find a way to enjoy it. And then, you know, I'm praying. I'm saying, God, this doesn't make any sense. I'm just your son trying to be faithful, trying to be obedient, trying to enjoy the three-year anniversary of my baptism. And uh, it just seems like it's not going that way. Well, things got a whole lot more difficult. That night, the team got together and had dinner. And afterwards, uh, a couple friends and I got together to talk about life, drink a little bit of tequila, and just enjoy some time together. Got to be around midnight. We heard this terrible noise. So we ran outside of the hotel, and we were the first ones to get there. And a man riding on a motorcycle had gotten hit by a truck. It was really, really gruesome. The man riding on the motorcycle, he was ejected from the motorcycle. He wasn't wearing his helmet. He he passed away immediately upon hitting the ground. My two friends and I, we don't have any healthcare background. So it was it was a challenge and difficult to figure out whether this man was alive at first. And then we ended up finding out that he wasn't, and we were able to say a prayer with him as his life left his body. And we were able to put a t-shirt over his face so that people couldn't see it, and we were able to direct traffic around him so that things on the road could keep moving. And as we were going through it, I don't have a healthcare background and I had never been the first responder. I, I've seen a couple people die in, in car accidents before, one when I was 22 in Honduras, one when I was 24 in Ecuador, and they've been moments that have marked my life. So after we were able to to help get emergency personnel there and go back to our room, I started asking myself, God, did you want me to see this? Did you want me to see this death? Did you want me to see this man hit by a car? The next day, the day of the three-year anniversary of my baptism, I woke up and I was really shaken by what I'd seen the night before. I'd, I'd never been involved in something like that, but I still expected that God had something incredible for me that day. I, it was three-year anniversary of me coming to life. I, I still held on to that hope that there was something special. So the group piled into a caravan of, of trucks, and it was the most beautiful thing that, that I had ever seen. Probably seven or eight trucks just piling in to this village that before had been abandoned, this village called Alexander Lopez. Alexander Lopez is situated in a beautiful spot right in the hills of the Mico Quemado Mountains. There's a, a peaceful, big river that runs through the, the middle of it, separating the community into two sides. And when we got there, it was the photograph of peacefulness and beauty and probably a picture of what, what our future is going to look like, just very green and beautiful. As soon as we pulled up, we had these seven trucks and they were filled of this beautiful, amazing justice fighting team 
that was neither Honduran or North American. It was fully both. Out of these trucks piled out Darwin, Aminta, Derek, Gabriel, Haley, Jeff, Beth, Fabiola, Kaylin, Roher, Arnold, Alex, Amos, David, Caleb, Daniel, Ben, Michael, Riley. It was an army of people, honestly, who believe that they are sent here by forces of good to bring goodness. And seeing that group pile in, I thought, wow, we really are part of this army of hope. And so for any of you who are listening right now, I'm going to be very clear. What I want you to do is to join this army of hope, to take a step back and to say to yourself, the question that I believe that my life is supposed to answer is what am I doing for other people? What am I doing for vulnerable people? I really want you to be a part of a story like the one that I'm about to tell. So we all pile off these trucks and immediately, this is my story, so I'm just going to tell it from my point of view. Immediately, I see this man who I haven't seen in about a decade. His name is Moises, and back in the early 2010s, probably around 2011, he and I went in together on a plantain chip business. He had some really good plantain chips, and he was also a welder back then and did a bunch of welding for a home building project that Humanity and Hope United was doing in a community called Monte Los Olivos. So I see my old friend Moises, and I hadn't seen him for about a decade, so we got to chat. I said, buddy, how you doing? How are things here? And I'll never forget what he told me. He said, Riley, we're really poor. We're really poor. And this is a guy who I've known for a long time. We've shared details about our personal life. And I put myself in his shoes. Man, what What if I saw a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in a decade? And he said, Riley, how are you? How would I have to feel to tell my friend I'm really poor? It broke my heart. It broke my heart and it opened my eyes that there was something important to be lived that day. I didn't have to be trapped by my thoughts about the night before. I got to I got to live and be fully present that day. So we started off with a distribution where the team that I mentioned got to pass out uh got to pass out needed items to 103 families. And what this solution included that day was a provision of food that is intended to last for a month. It includes about 30 pounds of rice, three different kinds of beans, um cooking oil, corn, deodorant, toothpaste, toothbrush, shampoo. Uh, this, this is a full solution. <clears throat> it's a month-long provision. And uh, we also paired it with two doctors, with Dr. Fabiola and Dr. Kayleen. And if you don't know them, they are justice-fighting, powerful, powerful women. They're called the super mujeres, the super women in Honduras. They are just the picture of what it looks like right before things are about to be healed. They listen to people completely and fully. So that's the solution that we were a part of that day is feeding and healthcare for 103 families. So Moises started to gather everybody around. The, the people that I mentioned started to, to pass out the provisions of food. People began to go see the doctors and there really wasn't anything that I was needed for at the moment. And because of my experience of the night before, I thought, you know what? I'm going to go have a conversation with someone and, you know, just try to try to clear my mind. So I went walking and the first person that, that I found was this incredible guy. He ended up telling me his life stories about a 40 year old man, grew up in a really under-resourced community with not a ton of opportunity. And as a result, he made the decision to start smoking marijuana to try to numb some of his pain when he was 11. By the time he was 13, he started to sell marijuana for the cartel. 
And by the time he was 15, he started to take lives for the cartel. And he was in that world for about six years before, before he was able to get out. And when he did get out, he had to, to leave the community that he was in and move, move really far away so that nobody would know where he was or who he was. And he had done that uh, from the point that I had met him a couple of weeks ago. He, he had moved about five years ago, completely started life over and had found a way to find his own peace in his own life. But he told me, so Riley, if you go around thinking that things are different now and that society is forming a different kind of human being, a different kind of man now, then you're only deceiving yourself. The things that made me grow up the way that I did and that deceived me into thinking that I was somebody who takes lives and not somebody who gives life, those factors are still at play. And that just obviously, with death really heavy on my mind, uh, that felt that felt even heavier. But I, I knew this isn't my story. God's doing something around me, with me, with everybody here. Let me just try not to be scared so I can pay attention. And so uh, as we were talking, a woman, Maria, ran up. And this was probably about two hours into the distribution of food and medicine. She was really happy. And she said she was calling me Jesus. Jesus. She was deceived by my long, beautiful hair. And she said, Jesus, Jesus, thank you so much. Obviously, it was all in Spanish. Thank you so much for all the food that you've given us. We needed it. My goodness, you are an angel. I'm so happy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And honestly, that feels, it feels really good. It feels great that uh, a man like me with a past like mine can be used to bring goodness to people. But as she was saying that, I sensed something different, that not only was she thankful, but that she needed something. And so I just listened and she said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I'd love, I'd love some more help. If you don't mind, if you've got a little bit of time, I said, Maria, whatever it is, tell me. And she said, well, I'd love to know if you could, if you could provide me six roof sheets. And so I asked her, I said, well, tell, tell me more what's going on. And she said, well, the area where we live it might look beautiful, but it's really tough. The community right over there, that's where the gangs live. <clears throat> and the gangs took my oldest son's life. The gangs killed my oldest son. I only have two sons. And so as a result, I had to get my youngest son out of here. I had to send him to the United States. So I sold my house to buy a coyote so that he could make it. And he made it. Thank God he made it. My son's alive, but... I don't have a house to live in. So could you help me with six roof sheets? And I'm telling you, this woman had the sweetest demeanor, the most thankful spirit, and yet she was broken by sadness at the same time. I don't know that I've ever been around such a combination of about the highest high and the lowest low inside of the same person at the same moment that I've ever experienced. And again, a story that is marked by and touched by and influenced by death. So she and I ended up finishing our conversation. She was really thankful that we got to talk. I was really thankful that we got to talk. I bet I've told the story of our conversation 30 times since I've, I've been back. Anyway, we parted ways and I ran into Moises again. Moises showed me his home, introduced me to his wife. And then he said, Riley, there, there's a family, a person who I'd really like to, to introduce you to. This woman has had the hardest experience almost out of anybody since the hurricane. And I'd like for you to hear her story. And so I went and I got to talk to Maria. It was a different Maria. Um, this Maria was about 
75 years old, and she'd been living in a school for the past three months because her home fell away. I told you about the river that that goes through the middle of the community. Her home was the most beautiful home on the cliff overlooking the river. When the hurricanes came and the river got really powerful, it created a landslide that took her house into the river completely. So she's left with nothing. Not only does she not have her house, she doesn't even have her property anymore. So when I met her, she was living in the school and she came out to speak with me. And I asked her, Maria, ¿cómo te va? How, how are things going? And she told me, and she said, you know what? Today's a really good day. I know that we're going to be able to wake up for the next few weeks and not have to fight for food. I'm really, really thankful about that. And so I asked her, how's the, the rest of your life going? And she said, it, it took a little while. She said, ah, oh, you know, here and there, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Things are okay. I said, is there anything that's really, really good? She said, yeah, we got, we got this food today. I said, is there anything that's really, really hard that you'd like to talk about? And then that's when she told me about her grandson. She told me that her grandson is 26. Her grandson has this huge desire to be someone in life, to work hard and to, to feel like he's a normal human being in a normal society. He wants to go to work. He wants to have a family. He wants to enjoy life. Well, he's been finding it impossible to enjoy life because he can't find a job. And I ended up asking her more and more about her grandson's story. And then finally, she told me, you know what really happened? My grandson was drunk and walking across the road, and he got hit by a car. And as a result, he had to spend about a week in jail, and he's never going to be able to use the right side of his body again. And I couldn't believe that I was sitting outside of her home, the school, with this grandmother whose grandson almost didn't come home. And that's when I felt like God answered that question that I'd been asking him. God, did you want me to see this? And instead of answering it yes or no, like I thought he would, God told me, Riley, the darkness was already there. It's the light that's new. And you guys, humanity and hope, you're the ones who are doing the new thing that's bringing the light. In the midst of all these stories that feel like they're marked by death, darkness was already there. It's the light that's new. So for anybody who's listening, you're made to be a light. We're all made to be a light. We have the image of God inside of us. So it doesn't matter whether we're good at anything that we can identify with our own eyes or not. If we go around people who say that they're hurting with the intention of just carrying pain with them, that is something that heals people. That is something that brings completeness and restoration and the ability for a mind to calm down enough to recognize that, yes, God lives inside of me. God is for me. God is love. And so I was able to share with Maria, Maria, I am so sorry for what happened with your son, your grandson. I cannot imagine. I can't imagine what it'd be like to have a family member who I love with everything that I have lose the ability to provide for themselves, to take care of themselves, to be strong, to be vibrant. I, I can't imagine. And at such a young age, 26, that just seems heartless. But we're not the ones in control of this show. We were not the ones who control what we're given and what we're not given. And so I got to tell Maria, Maria, I'm so sorry for what happened. Let me tell you about last night. Let me tell you about sitting with a man as his spirit was leaving his body who will never be with his family again. Let me tell you about thinking, I, I wonder, I wonder who this man's leaving behind. I wonder who's never going to see him again. I wonder who's crying about him tomorrow. You know, I got to tell Maria, Maria, I'm so sorry 
that this happened to your grandson, but I am so thankful that his life is still blessing yours and that yours is still blessing him. And it's not like anything was tied up beautifully in a bow or, you know, before it was one way and now it's another way. No, it wasn't like that. There thankfully are 103 families who have full bellies. There are thankfully uh, an entire family of people like you listening to this podcast who are going to hear about these stories and care about these stories as a result. But the fact is, is that there is a bunch of territory owned by injustice. The injustice that says that because of where you're born, you don't deserve an income. You don't deserve an opportunity to provide for yourself. You don't deserve an expectation of three meals of food a day. You don't deserve an expectation of shelter that's going to protect you. You don't deserve an expectation of a hope for the future that is rooted in something that you can believe in. There's a bunch of territory owned by injustice like that. And frankly, that's why we're all here. For those of you who are listening, I want to invite you fully and powerfully and warmly to come be a part of these stories, especially for those of you who've been making them happen financially. This is good that you have born into the world. When you give a gift, it's the gift that you give to the other person that blesses them, and it's the experience that blesses you. So I want you to be blessed. I want you to come and experience this goodness that you are bringing into the world. And for the people who haven't been a part of investing in it yet, likewise, this is the most powerful environment that I have ever been around. People who say, you know what, there's so much of this life that's mysterious and that I don't understand. But what I do understand is that there is a question that I can answer. The most important question in life, what are you doing for other people? This is a group of people who a lot of them full-time with their entire life do nothing other professionally than to fight for justice, to fight for people who the world says is lesser than or doesn't deserve this or doesn't deserve that. And those people are magnets. And they they bring in other people who aren't part of the team full-time yet, but other people who say, you know what, I want my life to be about answering that question too. And so you come and you enter this environment And it's not just people from outside the community serving people from inside the community. This is our dream. So people from inside the three communities, from La Cuchilla, La Corosa, Remolino, they too are a part of this injustice-fighting team, this team that fights for justice. And so to be a part of an environment of just completely different people, different countries, different classes, different histories, different pain, different trauma, different gifts, different talents, you step into this group and Everybody is all about fighting for justice. Everybody is about restoration of dignity and equality and hope and opportunity and frankly, a love that is alive that flows through and connects all of us in a way that feels special and timeless. So not only, not only are we a part of healing people who had everything destroyed, and not only does this group of healers contain people who they themselves had everything destroyed we answer the world's most important question together and we do it day after day after day after day with joy. And we would love for you to come be a part of it. Frankly, our plan is to be able to heal the entire valley. Our dream is to be able to heal the entire valley with the point of the spear being people who they themselves were hit by this hurricane. And that's what we're doing. In February, Humanity and Hope United served about 3,000 families, over 10,000 people. In March, we're going to increase that to about 4,000 families, hopefully about 15,000 people. And in April, it's going to continue growing. 
obviously we're human beings. We want to continue to bring goodness and to bring light, to bring love, to bring healing to places that were destroyed. In terms of setting goals of numbers of people, we'll continue to do that, but we have no idea. And the more that people like you end up joining this story, the more light together we'll be able to bring. And so what this solution includes for all, all of you who are making this possible, again, this is a food provision that lasts for a month. This is health care for people that live in areas where they're not able to reach professional health care and they don't have an income that would allow them to afford it. And we're also hiring people. We're employing people from communities who are not able to find jobs to go distribute these things and to go distribute them with love. And we're able to reach thousands and thousands of people every week. So again, you know, God, did you want me to see this? God, did you want me to hear this podcast? Did you want me to know about all this brokenness, all these stories? Did you want me to know that that we have a neighbor that lives in a completely different reality than we do? And I feel like God may be telling you the same thing that he told me. The darkness was already here. I may have opened your eyes to it, but the darkness was already here. It's the light that's new. And you and I brought that. So again, for all of you out there, thank you so much for your generosity that brings these stories of goodness to life with a hope that is timeless and eternal and that can't be taken from somebody. And I really I strongly want to encourage you to come down to Honduras and to be a part of it and to see where that takes you in your life. So thank you so much for making these stories possible. Thank you for listening. And I can't wait to talk with you soon. Well, that's this month's episode of The New Thing. Thanks for joining in. And more importantly, thanks for making those stories come to life. Never forget how important you are. Never forget how powerful your story is. And remember, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive. And then go do it. Because what the world really needs are people who have come alive.